Thank you for listening to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church. We want to welcome you here. We thank you for, you know, plowing through Snowmageddon and, and making it through this. And like I said, you know, God's really good at making snow. It is his creation still. And who knows? I mean, we may have woken up with a lot of frustration at it, guilty here. And who knows? Maybe he was just making a way to, that this summer needed that much moisture in, in the ground because there's going to be a lot of seed sown. And there's a harvest coming. And, you know, that's a great way to look at it positively, which probably none of us do. But, <laughs> but then, irregardless, but what I want to talk about today is, is another form of, uh, of being still. And I love that Amy, Amy brought that up. And I saw so many words. I love, I love like trigger words when I see things in songs and, and come to the altar when they're singing that. It talked about, are you, are you weighed down by the weight of your sin? And do you thirst from the drink from the well? And, and there's, I saw wilderness in the song about Defender. Is that right, Amy? The word wilderness was in there. And it's, it's a lot of things that I have in here. It's so good that, like, it's like confirmation from God so I could breathe easy and knowing that he, he went with me before this and took care of this for me. So this tile here, it says, the best preparation for good work tomorrow is to do good work today. And I just, I just love that, that we, we know that, you know, there's things that we have to prepare for. You know, we go into prayer for things. And just yesterday at our, our City Kids um, prayer, we had, I heard a word from, from a gentleman that was there. And he said, you know, we go into prayer for things and we ask for prayer for, for let's say, a job. Say, God, I, I really need this job. But we got to put in the application, we, we have to put in the work for that prayer to, to, build, a, to, to build ground and to, to grow. And we can't just, God, God is a God of miracles, yes. Don't get me wrong, he is, absolutely. But there's also times where we need, to, we need to put in work as well. We can pray into something, but let's say you're going for, for that job, that dream job. You have to fill out the application. You have to fill out your resume. You have to, you have to sell yourself to to get it to that person. It's not a stranger. I, I've heard of it. A stranger can't walk up to you and offer you a job. But if you want, you want something, you have to go get it. You have to prepare for it. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. You know, a lot of this lesson I wrote initially was for, was kind of going to be like a youth-focused service. But as I got into a lot of this, it was, it was like, wow, there's so many more of us that need to hear this that, because... You know, all of all us adults, we were once youth, but not all the youth have ever been adults yet. And, amen. And and so sometimes there's there's a rush into things, and I just I just kind of want to bring some awareness to that today, and you know, come across as best as I can. Um, you know, I really didn't mean to say um right there. You know, in public speaking, you're not supposed to say the word um, correct? So I will try not to do that. It's not a bad thing to do sometimes. You know the lady that invented the umbrella? She only wanted to name it umbrella, but she hesitated. <laughs> it's my icebreaker for the day. <laughs> so it does, it, it does do good sometimes. 
All right. Carry on. Some of us got that. So what do we see today? Young people are of God's concern. The the youth may face problems in this world. They, They face many problems in this world. They won't be young very long. And it's, it's, you know, I hear a lot in sports, because I'm, I'm a big sports fan, and they always talk about, you know, athletes getting past their prime and past this point of them. But, you know, every time that the same holds true is, is father time is undefeated. We, we were going to age. We're going to get older. We can't control that. You know, today's youth are not the first to face these problems. So when you guys complain sometimes that you're going through so much, you know, a lot of your parents and us, we've done it too. We have. (laughs) Amen, parents. (laughs) So, like I said, adults have been youths. Youths have not been adults. Adults have this advantage, you know. Uh, Youth can't, they they cannot handle certain areas in life yet. They're not supposed to. They're not supposed to be pushed into these certain things. You know, you're affected by many things that you cannot control. And yes, it is unfair, but that is life. You know, we, we can't, we can't stop it from happening sometimes. And some of these problems that if we don't kind of realize them and, and get a hold of them and get with the people that we need to, they can affect our lives later. So like I said, there's things that you can control. You can control them now, otherwise they could affect you later on in life, into your adulthood. So one of the things that I want to do, click, is... It's called preparation. Many adults neglect the issue as a youth or didn't have someone there to help them prepare them for life. Uh, I, I know I'm, I'm like a, a first-generation Christian in my family. I didn't have someone sowing seeds into me. You know, many of us are, are, are blessed. And a lot of you youth, you're, you know, you're blessed that your parents are, are godly parents. And you're, you're like a second-generation uh, Christian, you know, in you have this walk inside you that seeds have been sown in you from birth. And it's, 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 an, it's an amazing advantage you have for the kingdom that you can go forth at an early age and do things that a lot of us adults have not yet. You know, a, a lot of us, uh, you know, a lot of you have been baptized in, in the Spirit and you've come, you've come to Christ and then you've been baptized in the Spirit and you've given prophetic words and you've prayed over people and you have this boldness in you that's been prayed over you from birth, but at the same time, you're, you know how to use it because I'll call you a second generation child of God in your family. You know, it's a blessing to have that. You know, there's too many years uh, youth are left behind and enter adulthood unprepared. And this is what the world wants us to do. It wants us to be, it wants us to be socially mentally, physically, and spiritually prepared, but the world isn't really concerned about us how prepared we are spiritually anymore. You know, they, they, want, us to, they want us to see things and want us to be socially accepted and, and mentally prepared and physically accepted. They want us to look a certain way. They want us to, to dress a certain way, to act a certain way, to conform to the things of the world that is not of God. Because, but on the other hand, you can live in this sinful world but you can still live in this world of God. You know, it's, it, it, is, it is not a, a great place sometimes, but it's, it's the place we live and it's the place that we can change. 
And so, you know, preparation is, is key in these things. And we often hear the phrase when we're going after something that don't blow it. And when we, when we hear that, it's, I don't like it at all. I don't like that phrase. It's, it, it's, an, it's an immeasurable thing. It's a phrase that is often used when advising someone as, on an opportunity. It creates an immeasurable problem to anyone hearing this statement. You know, if, if Noah's wife told him to don't blow it, you know, that he didn't really start building the ark, and he didn't wait till it started raining to build the ark. I mean, it, Moses, you know, there was God, God's hand was on him from the beginning. It wasn't like a hesitation. You know, God's, was hand on, hand, God's hand was on him through his parents, through his sister, through the parents that adopted him. It, it was the whole way through. There was a preparation that God had all the way. And even through Jesus, he is the one who prepared the way for us. You know, it, it, was, it was at the cross. You know, youth cannot successfully be adult. They can't be little adults. They just can't. You know, from the ways they dress to keeping time like they're already at a mature age. You know, there's a, there's a freedom in life that doesn't, there's a freedom in life that doesn't mean you have to lack guidance in it. You know, sometimes youth get frustration. You know, adults, we get frustrated at an early age in our adulthood, and it causes us to have this, like, crazy burnout. And, you know, we get that burnout, it's like nothing else matters anymore. You know, it doesn't matter if we were spiritually strong or we were mentally strong or physically strong or we're socially accepted by everybody, but you get something that you're not ready for and you burn out in it, it ruins everything around you. It ruins, I think spiritual burnout is, you can have a physical a burnout in your life and, and you know, you're just exhausted. You can have a, a mentally, mental burnout and you just need a break. I, I think if you, like a, a social burnout and you just need to deactivate your Facebook for a couple of weeks or something like that. And, but I think if you get a spiritual burnout, that's the most crucial one that you can suffer from. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that, that you, it, it's hard to come back from because it gives the enemy so much space to invade your mind. And it lets him in and puts these thoughts and these, and these visions that are not of God, that were put into you by God, that gives the enemy room to try to invade them and hinder them from you. And it, I you know, I just pray for anyone that's, that's ever gone through a spiritual burnout or if, if you feel like you're on the cusp of that, you know, I, I just pray for, for just healing of your mind and your body and your, and your soul just because it's something that, that it's so crucial and it's so precious to you because it's a gift from God. It's, it's the Lord's Spirit. You know, another thing I want to bring up is is peer pressure. And it's... It's not just something you guys that the youth face as well, you know. Just just because did I go one far. Sorry, let me go one back. I skipped one. I apologize. I want to read from Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians nine one through fifteen. And I thought this was really good to help us describe the. Of preparation and how important it is. So if you have your Bible with me, please join me. Second Corinthians 9, 1 through 15 says, There is no need for me to write to you. This is this is Paul, by the way, writing to the churches. 
and, and kind of giving his, a decree for them to, to get ready. And because time is coming where they need to, they need to be ready for, for the, the task at hand. And he says, There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, for I know your eagerness to help. And I have been boasting about you to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you were in Achaia, I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong, were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them into action. But I am sending the brothers in order to our, that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said you would be. For if the Macedonians come with me and they find you unprepared not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having be, been so confident." So I thought it necessary to urge you, brothers, to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you have promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as, a grudgingly, not as one grudgingly given. You know, a lot of times this, these next verses I'm going to say in, in your Bible, it's kind of referred to as the cheerful giver, is this section. And it, it's, it's, it is about being a cheerful giver, but it's also about preparation. Is you're able to be a cheerful giver if you're prepared. And if you're ready to go into, into this, this world prepared and do these things. So remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart, not reluctantly under, your, under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is, is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and times, all, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work as it is written. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. And, you know, towards the end, towards the end of this, the very last line is, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I think it's not just being a giver that's an indescribable gift. It's, it's the ability that we can be prepared for God as a gift. That he can, he can give us these things and put these things in our life so that we can be prepared to do his good work. And I think that's something that we, we lose sight of sometimes, you know, because of peer pressure, because of these things that come into our life that we can't, we try to kind of run away from. You know, just because we're in this world doesn't mean we have to be in a sinful world, like I said earlier. The pressures of doing what is around you have never been more intense than it is now. Not saying that it was never intense back then, but so many things have changed just from 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And I, I know when I was, I think, let me see here. Yeah, this is coming up my 18 years that I've been out of high school this year. So it's been so much a change since then. And so much has changed just from, you know, 10, 12 years ago when I had, when me and Amanda had our first son, Caden, just the things, the ways of the world and the upbringings that people of the world expected you to do, but God didn't expect you to do. You know, because we, when we, we came to Christ eight years ago, you know, we haven't been in this long. And, and my son, the first three, four years of his life, we were not of Christ in this. We were of the world. We would go out and do, we, we would go out and do the things that the, you know, worldly people do. We, would, we were drinking at the time. We were, we were going out and, and being selfish is what we were doing. You know, and... I'm not going to say we weren't. We were good parents. I will say that. You know, we were. But we were not doing things the way God wanted us to because we didn't know. I never had nobody talk about God in my life until eight years ago. I was 27. 
So it was, it, was a, it was a journey of, and it's a hard thing to get your mind away from at such a, a later age, like in your, a later age in your 20s that, hey, let me tell you about this God. And I've been of the world for so long that it's just, it's a hard thing to change your mindset from, let me tell you. And, you know, the way I see my son is how I said the youth can do so many things. He's been in Christ just as long as I have been. And I've been, I gave myself to God eight years ago. I've been praying over him from that day since, me alongside with my wife. And so the way I see it is he has every advantage to go after the kingdom of God as I do. He's just as old in Christ as I am. And that's the same thing with a lot of our our kids. I know some of us have been, you know, being second generation Christians, you know, and you know, we've been praying these things over our children for so long that they've been in this just as long as we have. And it's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing that sometimes you guys don't, you guys don't see that. And you guys need to, you need to see that. You've been, you've been rooted in this from birth, most of you. And you're ready. You're ready to go out. And any doubt you have, you need to not have. You need to go out and be ready to, to speak life into your friends and to, that you can say it. You can speak the word of God as well as anybody up here, as well as me, as well as pastor, as well as the elders, as well as anybody. Nothing is holding you back but sometimes yourself. And I want you guys to just, just listen to what I'm saying today, please. We all want to be socially accepted, but we are compromising what is true and right before God to get along and go along. You know, something we almost do is develop the ability to stand even if we feel like we have to stand alone. You have to stick up for yourself, all of us. We have to understand that, that sometimes in the workplace and in, in school and, and just in life that people are going to beat you down and you may feel like you're alone, but you need to know God's gone before you and he is standing with you. So you are truly not alone, but if you don't have a physical being, other people around you, you need to stand still. So I want to read out of Exodus. I'm sorry for that static. I really am. Out of Exodus 32, 1 through 5, it says, when the, people that, when, the people saw Moses, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow, as for this fellow Moses, who brought us up here out of Egypt. We do not know what has happened to him. Aaron answered, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made him made it into an idol cast in the shape of the calf, fashioning it, into, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. So Aaron got succumbed to this peer pressure. He is the one, I'm not going to move anymore. Aaron is the one who 
Moses may have not have been the man he needed to be if it wasn't for Aaron. He was, it's almost like Aaron was his brother's keeper. Is this one good? Okay. No more of that. All right. So Aaron, Aaron succumbed to the peer pressure and went against his brother Moses, even though Aaron was the one who was Moses' encourager. He's the one who told, told Moses, pick up the staff. That God, you know, that Moses was, was timid and, and shying away from. You know, there's another example of peer, of peer pressure in here. And it's out of, out of Matthew 27, 24 to 26. And it has to do with, with Pilate. Let me find it here. It's when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd and said, I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, his blood is on us and our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and hanged him over to be crucified. So Pilate's mind was not made up. Pilate was, was still on the cusp of letting Jesus go. I mean, we all know it was, Jesus knew it had to be done. We, we get that. But it was, Pilate, it was the peer pressure that Pilate suffered that made his decision for him. And sometimes it's the peer pressures of this world that define us and make us make our decisions, even though it's really something that we are not wanting to do and we're against it. And this cause, this is what causes a lot of youth these days to, to look at us as parents a different way and to, to judge us to a point. I really don't want to call this next slide what I did, but I did. So I'm just going to leave it how it is. Adult hypocrisy. You know, we have a lot of youth these days that judge, judge us for everything. We're held accountable to no end by our children sometimes because they see us walking these things and talking these things, but are we really walking in these things and talking in these things? And they see other adults in the world that there's so many things. All they hear is the negative. All they hear is the people who are these things, and then when it comes to find out they're not, it's just another example of why adults are hypocrites. So, my youth, the truth is you all think that we are hypocrites just as most of us thought of our own parents. We are all born into this world where every decision is made for us, so we believe that all adults are correct, but we hit the age where we see inconsistencies everywhere. A mindset kicks in where we think nobody is honest, nobody cares, and nobody is doing what is right. But the truth is, we can't all do what is right. Parents make mistakes. Preachers make mistakes. Elders make mistakes. You guys make mistakes. As, as adults now, there's still, still things where we, we hold against our own parents because they made mistakes that we haven't let go of yet. And the way we see that is the way the children see us. And it can carry through. It's a cycle. So 
you know, people make mistakes. We can't, we can't get rid of certain things in life because, because of mistakes. You know, it would be like quit going to a doctor because they've got sick. I mean, sickness happens. It's out of our control. You know, we're not going to believe, we're going to quit believing in God's teaching on marriage because some of our parents get divorced. And that's just something we can't do. We need to rely on God's word continually and know that he is with us in all times, the good and the bad. You know, I, I, I've, seen it, I've seen what divorce does. My parents got divorced when I was 17, you know, in the middle of my senior year in high school. And I've seen what it does. I have a younger brother who's, who's 30, 32, and I have a, a younger sister who is 29. And, and I've seen what it does from the different aspects of that. My brother right, currently lives in Las Vegas, trying so hard to get him plugged in with, with Dan and Jen and John. And, and it's been almost 20 years for him, and there's just things he, he hasn't let go of yet things that he hasn't let go of that he still holds against his parents or my mom and dad because because he doesn't understand God's love yet, you know, and we can speak into that and I still speak into that and pray into him every time I get to talk to him and, you know, even trickles down to my sister who was six years younger than me and the effects it's had on her and it causes so many things. It causes so many things like a downfall, and she made her grow up before she had to because she had to make a decision what parents she wanted to go with. She had to make a decision on, on what she wanted to do with her life because she held grudges against her parents, you know. And, you know, it caused her, what it, what it caused in my sister, what I see it does cause in, in some other, in younger girls is, is it didn't cause a sense of wanting to be like an independent woman. It caused, it caused the opposite, like she didn't ever want to be alone. And, you know, sometimes those things, that's what the thing that sometimes parents, you know, I, I forgive my parents for what, for the divorce that they had to do, you know. It was, it was like a harsh reality. It's like they were together longer than they needed to be. They stayed together because we were so young at the time. It should have happened long ago. And that's okay, that they, they held on. They held on and tried to rekindle their love, and they just, it just didn't work. And sometimes that happens. And sometimes as, as youth, we don't see that. We don't see that they're trying, and we just see the mistakes they made, and we hold it against them. And so I want to read out of, of Matthew 23. You know, there's a lot of parts in here where, where Jesus talks about hypocrisy and he starts he starts throwing out a lot of like woe to yous at them. So he's like he's being in business in this and he throws it out there like seven different times. And one of these one of these sections it says in Matthew 23:13 says woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees you hypocrites you shut the door on the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter nor will you let those enter who are trying. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much of a child of hell as you are. Wow. I thought about that. And I thought about a lot of times where we, we say, well, we're going through some battle and we're like, yes, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to fight like hell to get through this. And it's going to happen. 
But do you realize what we're saying? Do you know how much hell's fighting for us? Can we change it to like, I'm going to fight like heaven? I'm going to fight like God's fighting for me. I'm going to fight like love of Jesus is fighting for me. I think we need, we need to change some terminology in this world. You know, all, who, all, all of us who make mistakes are not hypocrites. You know, we need to set our sights, we need to set our thoughts on the one who is and was perfect. Jesus is the only one that was perfect. He's the only one who is the standard by which all things should be measured. Anything else is just our own opinions and our own mindsets, and they're not always right. You know, we, we, let, we let our opinions dictate what we do in our life and let other people's opinions dictate what we do in our life. You know, a lot of this comes down to a problem of sin. This skipped. We all make personal decisions daily that we, we make the choice to think or act in sin. You know, Isaiah 119 says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. We have the choice to, to do this. You know, we, we can choose whether we're going to live in sin or we're going to live in Christ. In the entire book of Ephesians, the whole thing is about being in Christ. And it's, it's one of my favorite books of the Bible, Ephesians. There's just so much in everyday life and things that we go through and walking in all that in Christ in the book of Ephesians. You know, what sin comes through nowadays is, is drugs, alcohol, premarital sex, pornography, dishonesty. And we see that you know, all these things are affecting you guys in school, but they were affecting us in school back then too. They were affecting our lives when in, in the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s and, and all these things were still there. So we, we know what you guys are going through. You know, we see examples of sin in, in, from the begin, towards the beginning of the Bible in Cain and Abel and then we also see it towards before Jesus was crucified and P Peter denying him three times. But it's not just Cain and Abel to Peter. It's Cain and Abel to us. We're the ones that are continuing with the sin. You know, they, they, yes, there was the first murder with Cain and Abel. It was Peter denying Jesus three times. But, you know, by his stripes we are healed. You know, I, I've heard a lot of things that say, I'm a very, like, numerical person when it comes to things in the Bible. I love numbers. And, you know, I, I've, seen, I've seen and read some things where it says, you know, the, the stripes that Jesus took for us, they cover every sin of the world. And we need to understand that, you know, a sin is a sin, no matter the, 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 the scale, whether it be murder, whether it be adultery, whether it be lying or or stealing, you know, there's, there's different laws now that dictate the punishment for that, but a sin is a sin. I love that video. I, I think, I don't know, I, there's so much innocence in that, and in that when we, it's so hard for us to, 
to think like a child. And when we, we tell a child that, that who God is, they just accept it and say, all right, let's go. This is God. This is, this is what it is. This is what we, we believe. This is what God's word is. But our minds get skewed when we're older that, that things come up and it makes us think a little less and a little less and a little less. And I, I just love the, the praise dance in that video because that's what I'll call it is a praise dance. And, and the, the words of the song, you know, I know you want my heart, my bruises, and my scars. I'm coming as I am the only way I can. And that's all we can do. We can only come with, with the things that have happened in our past, and we can come as we are and not be non-authentic. We have to be real about it. We have to accept that we screwed up at times in our life, and we're forgiven, and it was done, and the cross is enough. There, there doesn't have to be anything else but the cross. That we're saved in it. We're, we're free from it. You know, this is a very old adage. If a tree falls in the wilderness and no one posted on Facebook, did it ever happen? Oh, that's the wrong one. I'm sorry. If a tree falls in the wilderness and no one is there to see it, does it make a sound? So take out the word tree and put spirit in there. If our spirit falls in the wilderness and no one's there to hear it, it doesn't make a sound. Put prayer in there. Put worship in there. You can put these different words in there. You know, I like words. And the answer is yes. If your spirit, your spirit can fall sometimes. And if no one's there to see it, it still makes a resounding sound. God is there in their wilderness. And in that temptation, and in them things. And I, I saw this, and I just, I just loved how, like, I, I thought of it, and then immediately the word, the word just came to me. Like, we fall every day. We all come short of the glory of God every day. And sometimes there's no one there to see it. But it makes a sound. It, it makes a noise in the kingdom of heaven because God God hurts for you. He aches for you. He, he longs for, for you to come after him continually and to always know that he is there with us. So I only need about five more minutes. I learned that from Pastor. We all have to secure our hearts and guard our lives from sin when problems arise. It's too easy to check out and give in to discouragement. You know, there's a lot of cliches. You know, we can give the cliches that, you know, problems are challenges and they're a test of our worth and they can be stepping stones rather than stumbling blocks. Who cares about that? You know, in John 7:37 it says, Then on the most important day of the feast, the last day, Jesus stood and shouted out to the crowds, All you thirsty ones, come to me. Come to me and drink. That's out of the translation, the Passion Translation. And the thing I like about that version is that they give little footnotes at the bottom. And this is the footnote that it gave to that. When a man's feasting is over, there is still thirst. Jesus comes at the last day of the feast to satisfy that thirst of those who seek God. 
Only Lord Jesus can quench the spiritual thirst of men by giving them his living water. And I didn't find that, I didn't find that breakdown anywhere else but the Passion Translation. And, you know, again, in, in Come to the Altar where it says, are you, you, are you thirsty? I forgot the line already. Are you thirsty from a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. And so, so what I want to do is, is let you know that, you know, through the peer pressure, through preparation, you know, there's peer pressure. There's, there can be hypocrisy. There's, you know, all these things that can come at us in life. But we have to do it together. We, we can't do these things alone. You know, we have to stick by each other as children of God. Even if it's something as simple as you seeing your neighbor having trouble with the snow and you got to help them shovel out because the street plow has just ruined what they just did, which happened to all of us this weekend. You know, it, it's, it's, it's an act of kindness. It's, it's just doing something out of generosity and you don't even have to bring up God to them because they just see who you are and they'll see the God in you and they'll see the Christ image in you. That is who we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to look in the mirror and see ourselves. You, you kids hear that? We're not supposed to look in the mirror and see ourselves. You see Jesus. So if I could have, you know, if I could have the prayer team come up and I want to I put this out there. You know, first and foremost, if, if anyone is here that, that doesn't know the Lord as a living Savior, we always want that invitation to be first and foremost and give you that opportunity. But also, I also want those that, that know a youth that need to come back to the Lord. And sometimes we need to rely on each other. I, I, want, I want you to come up here and stand in that gap for them. I want you to to intercede for them and, and speak over and pray with our prayer team that something's coming and something's going to get in their heart and they're going to come back to Christ. They're going to come back to the Lord and they're going to be where they belong. And then my other, other call is for the youth that an understanding takes place here. So if any of you youth that are here, if you, if you want a better understanding of, of what life is like and what your parents have went through and that their understanding and things they, they went through, that they get you, that they understand you, they, want, they are there for you, I want you to go get them and bring them up here and pray together. And I, I want you to, to get an agreement that things are, they don't have to be what they once were. They don't have to be what you think they are. They don't have to be what you think your parents think they are. They can be what you both think together. That these things that we go through in life that we don't have to be a lone wolf. We don't have to, we don't have to go solo or incognito because we're afraid of what people think. So if, if, you, if you, please come now. If, if, if there's someone that you need to stand in for, Come stand in for them. If there's a youth and you're here and your, your parents here, go get them. You should never be afraid to ask your parent to pray with you. Thank you for listening to the City Point Podcast. 
For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church.